0: Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Kelts. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You brought your Bibles this morning. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet one more time from the reading of the word. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and is if you've been in church or studied the Word of God for any, you've probably heard preachers talk about this. It's the faith chapter. Uh, you go through the, the hall of faith, the heroes of faith, by faith. By faith, David. By faith, Moses. By faith, Noah. You go down all through, and and uh, we love to celebrate the first part of the uh, Hebrews chapter 11, Um, A lot of times people don't talk much about the end of Hebrews chapter 11. Um, I, I really, I think that we do a disservice to God's people when we do that because these are the people that I can really relate to the most. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I've, I've gone through life and life has happened to me to the, to the fact where I, I love to hear when somebody prayed and they got their prayer answered and it was awesome and we celebrate the miracle, you've been there, right? But, but most of the time, I really relate to the people at the end of Hebrews chapter 11 that, that kind of struggled. It said they went through some, some, some things that were, that were tough. They were people that had to learn how to. When I, we sang a song when I was a kid called, Sing Hallelujah Anyhow. And these people had to live that out. Whatever they were going, they were, they were just going to, you know what, God, it don't matter. Your praise will continue to be on my lips. And we get to the end of Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. In verse 40, the word of God says this, God having provided something better for us that they, everybody say they, Who's they? It's the they that he had just been talking about. These people that some of them overcame and did great things for God, and they were running their race. It was also the people that they stick up for God. They went through the test of faith, and some of them went through some really difficult things. It's they, so God, having provided something better for us, that they, those who went before us, should not be made perfect. Look at it. They will not be made perfect apart from us. It's crazy to me. When you're reading that. you have to understand that the, the guy writing this letter didn't put chapters and verses in. We we did that later on in the translating. So when the book of Hebrews chapter 11, when that ends, it really doesn't end. He's continuing the same thought in the letter. So there's really not a chapter break right there. And in continuing what he just said in that same type of thought, he says this in verse 1 of chapter 12 in the same. Thought he says, therefore, what I just told you, those people that did all these great things, they will not be made perfect apart from us. And he says, Okay, and knowing that now, therefore, we also everybody say, We also okay, we also now, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he says, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run. So they ran a race. They will not be made perfect apart from us. Now let's run our race, he says, just like they did, since they did. Let's do, let's run our race that's set before us. Looking on how do how do you run the race? He says, Well, just look into Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of the faith. Who for this is how he did it. The joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Okay, it says despising the same. And then he did this. This is awesome. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You sit down when it's finished. All right? Remember what Jesus said? It is finished. That's why he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And this is the verse I want to get to. For consider him talking about Christ and giving us some advice on how to run this race that we're in, consider Christ who endured such contradiction. Everybody say contradiction. It said Christ endured contradiction from sinners against him, lest, because this is what can happen, you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for the power of your word. Lord God, I know that you sent me here today with a specific assignment. I thank you for giving me the ability to preach and to teach. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak into the hearts of your sons and your daughters. Father, I believe that you sent me today with this specific assignment. And I ask that you use my mouth as your instrument to be able to do your will. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help me this morning unpackage and deliver the prophetic word of the Lord. And I pray right now each one of us will make a decision to open up the eyes and the ears of our hearts. Lord, we pray for nothing less than transformation. We pray that we this morning will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Holy Spirit, we ask that you release something inside of us that will cause an eternal response. And we ask this this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Listen, before you're seated, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're going to make it through the contradiction. Come on, you're going to make it through the contradiction. You can be seated. Greater, greater. You can look up on the screen. Greater. We have been in a sermon series here at the Exchange going through the idea of greater, God calling us into greater things. The passage comes from John chapter 14, verse 12, where Jesus himself says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith, okay, anyone who believes in me, he says, they will do what I've been doing, all these great things that I've been doing, you're going to do that, and he says, and you will even do greater things than these because I go to the Father. And my mission today, our mission through this whole sermon series, is to be able to bring the Word of God to you to convince you that right now, wherever you're at in life, whether you might be in a tough spot, things might not be going so well, or you may be blessed. Man, you're too blessed to be stressed. I'm talking about things are looking good. It don't matter where you're at in your life. We're trying to convince you that God is conspiring in heaven to bring into your your life, the greater things for his greater glory. That's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about greater peace, greater joy, greater passion, greater relationships, greater finances, greater, greater, whatever it is, just God taking us into greater. And as your pastor this morning, I feel like it's uh, my responsibility to talk about something hard when we are we are thinking about the greater things and pastor Jared alluded to this last week and listen if you didn't hear his message last week you got to get on Facebook you got to watch it or or go to our our iTunes and and download it listen to it i promise you will be blessed but but this is the idea that I, I just have to tell you today. When you start going down the road or the pathway to the greater things, the, the hard truth is this. You will face roadblocks on this path, and the roadblocks are called contradictions. It's right there in the passage that we, we just read. While the writer of the book of Hebrews, he is writing this letter and he is saying, you are on a race, you are running your race, and he, and, he, and then he starts to talk about Jesus, and he says that Jesus endured contradictions, okay? If Jesus endured contradictions, I'm telling you, you, the writer of this knew this, he endured contradictions, and if you don't know how to do it, what will happen? It, it will lead to weariness, it will lead to these ideas, these thoughts going through your mind of, of wanting to, to, to quit. I'm telling you, we face these roadblocks of contradictions. Last, last week when Pastor Jared was talking about the woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, and he alluded to this woman who was a great woman. She was a well-to-do woman. And, and God comes into her life and says, I'm going through the prophet. He says, I'm going to bring greater things into your life. I'm going to bless you with a miracle. And he does. He, he blesses this barren woman with a child with a son, like a miracle, a son comes into her life and, and, and I love that. We love the, 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 the starts of the story. We love how, how when we get a prophetic word from God or God shows us something in the, in the word of God, just like we're reading here in John and God says greater things, greater things are coming to your life. We love to hear those things, right? But then what happens immediately after that, he goes along in the story, and the Bible says that the miracle, the very miracle that God brought into this lady's life, it died. Immediately on the pathway to the great things, the greater things, she is faced with a roadblock. She's faced with a contradiction, right? And, and I, as Pastor Jared was preaching that last week, Lisa and I, we, we just started to talk. We, we know how that feels. We know, and I think all of us do in some way, somehow, have faced some type of contradiction in our life on the pathway to the greater things. Uh, I, I can remember 12, almost 13 years ago, being in ministry, I was a, a young youth pastor. Uh, God was just doing great things in our ministry. We took a, uh, a youth group of two kids. I had the pastor's son and the pastor's son's cousin. That's how the youth group started, man, and we took that two, and we were going to change the world. Man, that two turned into 10, 10 turned into 20, 20 turned into 50 in like six weeks. It was awesome. God was doing great things with the kids. Uh, in this time, we had two beautiful daughters, Caitlin and Kinsey. Life was good. Life was going great, and I remember... Uh, my wife and I were talking, and we were just talking about, we just, we just know that our, our family's not complete yet. And I, I remember going to our pastor and telling him, you know, man, um, we love our girls, and we know our family's not complete, and I, I would love to have a son. I would love to have a son. And, and he's like, wow, you know, that's, that's awesome, man. That's an that's a awesome dream to have. And, and just a couple weeks later, Lisa was there, I'm telling you, it was a Father's Day morning. We were having a service. I was down at the altar, and pastor came up to me in front of God and everybody and just blurted it out. Put, he said, God spoke to me. He put his hand on my forehead and said, "You, God says you will have a son. I mean, the prophetic word just into our oh, I was so excited. It was, it was amazing. I remember that word coming into our life. And then the next year our son was born. Like a miracle. He comes into our lives. Man, we're stepping into the greater things, right? We 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 had a great family and now we're going into the next level. We're going into the greater things. God's taken and 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 I remember being so excited about the life that we would have with with our family and seeing our kids growing up and, and what that would look like to relate to, to little girls, fathers to their daughters, and then a father to a son and, and getting all excited about that. And, and as, the, as you started to get one month old and two months old and three months old, we, we realized something's wrong with our son. Something's not right with our son. And we take him to the doctor. And we were in and out of our pediatrician. He's just saying, hey, he's just different. Don't compare him to your girls. And, And Lisa was going, there's a check in her spirit, man. And I lean on my wife's discernment. I'm telling you, I have for years. She sees things that I just don't see. I'm like, how did you see that? And she has these feelings. And she said, there's just something wrong with my kid. And they finally admitted him into the hospital. And I can remember like it was yesterday. We went through two weeks of of testing, and the doctor coming in, and uh, she had a a box of Kleenex with her, and I knew this is not going to be good news, and she says, well, we found out what's going on with your son, and I was like, great, we want to know, we want to know what's the problem, what's going on, and and then she starts to tell us words that you never want to hear about your child, she starts to use words like, uh, he has a terminal disease an incurable disease. He's she starts using words like life expectancy. He has a life expectancy of 30 years. You know, and you start hearing this stuff, man, and the miracle comes into your life, greater things, you're you're on the path, man, and then immediately we're faced with this roadblock of contradiction. God, this doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. What are you, what are you talking about? And I remember going home, and and, and and at that time I was so I was a, just a young man in the faith, and and uh, you know I just start to quote the scripture. Man, I was strong. I was real strong. I would I would tell I, I told. In fact, I didn't even cry when the doctor told us that. I shook her hand. And I said, "Thank you for telling us how to pray." You've given us direction, and now we know what to go after. And you know what? My Bible tells me that, that by his stripes, my son is, I told the doctor that. And for weeks and for months, I'm walking in this, and I'm walking this thing out, and I'm facing the contradiction head on, man, just strong. A couple years go by, and I, I reached my breaking point. It, I, we just went through a tough time, you know? um he got real sick you know this miracle that had been brought into our lives and he he goes to the hospital and and I was praying pastor that he would get better and he only got worse and I'm facing this contradiction and you know they say eh, we're going to have to do a surgery Because he needs to be on medication full time. We got to put a pick line in. So they start doing the surgery. Well, it it goes wrong. You know, we're telling the church, be praying. He's going to go through a surgery. Complications with the surgery. Doesn't go right. He's getting sicker. At the same time, you have to understand that we were 70 miles from the hospital. So it was an hour. I would pick up the girls from school. And I, Lisa was living with Kagan in the hospital. That was their life. And I would drive 70. I would pick up the girls. I would drive an hour, spend a couple hours so the girls could spend a couple hours with their mom. And every night, they would start crying because they didn't want to leave. And I remember having to pull them away from their mom. And... I broke. I mean, nothing, it wasn't going right. Everything was broken. I'm facing a contradiction head on. I get in the car, I'm driving home, <clears throat> the girls fall asleep. And I remember just yelling at God. This is this is what I get. Like, I've given my whole life into your service. Like So you do everything right, and this is what I get. I remember thinking, God, where are you? I remember thinking, is there even a God? And I know I'm the only one that has ever had thoughts like this before. I'm not. We all do. Listen, I came here today to tell you that when you are on the road to greater, you will face contradiction. It will happen. It doesn't mean anything's wrong. It's normal. Okay, you may be here this morning and for weeks you have been hearing us say, God's taking you to the greater things and you're looking at your life and all you see are the contradictions and you are now putting a judgment on yourself to say there must be something wrong with me then. Because right now... Pastor, I have been doubting everything. So we're going to talk today about how do you do that? How do you endure contradiction? Because I promise you, every promise has its challenge. I've come to understand that you can't have a testimony without a test. I mean, you can't have a message without a mess. I mean, this is how it goes. You see, everybody wants miracles, right? Everybody wants miracles, but nobody wants impossibilities. But you can't have a miracle until you have an impossibility, right? So what happens is, I'll tell you this, victories don't come without obstacles. You see, for most of us, our lives are lived in between the once upon a times and the happily ever afters. We love to come to church and hear Pastor Jared give us a word on the once upon a time. We love that. We love that part of the story, don't we? And we also love how it all came together and when pastor prayed, it happened and -and so-and-so got healed and they all lived happily ever after. But the hard truth is we live most of our lives in the messy middle. In between the start of something great and the completion of walking in that. I mean, how many of you have come to the point to realize that the real test of your faith is not when everything's going well, right? When there's money in the bank, and the house notes paid off, and man, little Jimmy is healthy, and you just got a promotion, and you sit back, and you say, God, I love you. I'll always be faithful to you that's not faith. It doesn't take any faith to say that. See, the real test of faith is when the car's not running. Come on, somebody. When when you can't make the house payment. it's, It's when the bad circumstances come up. It's when you're facing the contradictions of life and you're thinking, God, I didn't think that it was going to be this, but something inside of you rises up and you still come to church anyway. Come on, somebody. And you walk in and you still raise your hands anyway and you say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. His praise shall continually be on my lips. I will bless the Lord at all times. You see, when you live by faith, Your friends can't tell whether you've had a good day or a bad day because every day you've learned to praise him anyhow. In the book of uh, Habakkuk, it says this. He says in chapter 3, verse 17, Although the fig tree shall not blossom. Contradiction. Contradiction neither shall the fruit be in the vine. The labor of the olive shall fail. It failed, man. It's a contradiction. And the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut from the fold. It's like, man, you got a lot of contradiction. He said, and there shall not even be a herd in the stalls. Come on, somebody. Although Verse 18, yet I will rejoice, come on, in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. (laughs) Contradiction is all throughout the Bible. The greatest heroes in the scripture faced contradiction on the pathway to greater. See, the real test of my faith is not when everything is well. The real test of my faith is when everything's not going right at all. I had a guy tell me this one time. The real test to see if you're an overcomer, the real secret to overwhelming success is what you do after you don't understand what's going on. When you get to that point in your life where you just throw your hands up and go, God, where are you? I don't understand what's going on. That's when faith is needed. And listen, you have all the faith that you need. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. It's on the inside of you. It does us no good if you don't use it. I was was on the way to church this morning. I passed a political sign that said, vote for this. Listen, unless you use your vote, your vote does you no good. Unless you use your faith, your faith does you no good. And so in the contradiction, that's when to activate it, man. That's when you raise your hands. That's when you still bless the Lord at all times. I mean, there has been times in my life, Where I have, I I tell you, early in my 20s when I was a young pastor, I thought I had God all figured out. I thought I knew how he would, and I mean, I would just tell people, man, God spoke this to me, and this is how, I would go to my family and say, man, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm telling you, God spoke this in the word to me, and this is going to happen, and this is how it's going to happen, and this is when it's going to happen, only to have to show up at the next family reunion talking about giving God all these excuses. I don't know why this is going on, but supposedly he's out of my box. Like right when I thought I had him figured out, he would go and do it another way, right? And so what happens in our lives is victories start to happen and you start to walk in the the place where you're faced with these, these impossibilities and what happens is you start to have to lean on your faith and you start to live your life in the messy middles and God has to now help you in the middle of all this walk out by faith in the middle of your contradictions what you had believed God for on the good days. On these days when you got these revelations. You see, we live in a generation, though, that loves instant success. We do. And if you're alive and breathing right now, you're a part of this generation. We love instant gratification. I can tell you, I graduated from college in 1999. 1998. I got married in 99. Graduated from college in 98. Immediately, immediately, I started receiving. I didn't even have a job. I started receiving all of these letters from all of these credit card companies. Talking about, I will give you this much money. And it's crazy to me that the time, the day and the time that we live, these these credit companies pray off of the idea that this generation is about instant gratification. And they say this, even though you don't have the money to buy that now, you can still have it now. Right? And so what we do is we don't know any better. And we say, okay, I love instant gratification. I'll take your credit and I'll go and I'll get, what I want, that makes me feel instantly good. What they don't tell you is you're either going to pay for it now or you're going to pay for it later. And if you pay for it later, it's going to cost a lot more than it did now. And then we have people, even in the church now, going around looking at other people talking about, I just don't understand why that person is so blessed. Can I just set some people free this morning? What you have seen in that person's life as a blessing from God, is not a blessing from God. It's credit. And with credit comes anxiety. It comes weight. Can, can I tell you something? Listen, my Bible tells me in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. But here's what he says. And he adds no sorrow with it. So listen, if your so-called blessing is keeping you up at night because you're trying to figure out how you're going to be able to pay for it, then it ain't really a blessing from God. It's something that you craved in your heart that you couldn't wait for. But you need to realize that we live in a society where if it doesn't happen instantly, then we can't wait. And it's never how God intended his children to live. This is not God's plan for our lives. And so many times, we start to interpret God's delays as God's denials, and if it doesn't come fast enough, and if the answer doesn't come through enough, then we start to lose interest, and we start to even doubt if God's on our side and everything that we've ever been taught. Come on, somebody, help me preach this morning. I mean, let's just get real today. We start to say, where where did God go? It It seemed like everything was going good, God. It seemed like we were paying all the bills, and the kids were healthy, and everything was going good, and I was serving you, and all of a sudden, I am faced with this contradiction. I'm questioning everything. Where did you go? Let let me tell you about a guy that faced crazy contradiction. His name was Job. And in the middle, go read about this guy in the Bible. Go read his story if you've never heard his story. Go read about him in the book of Job. To the new people coming to church, the book of Job. Okay. Check out what happens, this guy, these incredible contradictions this guy faced. And in the middle of it, in verse chapter 23, verse 8, he says this. He says, Look, I go forward, but he is not there. Check it out. I go forward, but I I I'm looking for God. I'm in the middle of contradiction. And I can't see him when I go forward. He said, and then I go backwards. Looking for God, thinking maybe he's around the corner. Where did you go? And he says, I can't perceive him. In verse 9, it says, When he works, everybody say works. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. What's Job saying? He's saying, I'm in the middle of a contradiction of my life. The biggest thing that I've ever faced. None of us have faced contradictions like this guy did. And he says, I'm looking for God. God, where did you go? Where are you at? I go forward. I can't find him. I go to right. He says, and then the thing that he says, though, is he says, but he's working on the left side. He's working, but I can't see it. I can't perceive it. I came here to tell some of you, there's somebody needs to hear this. Some of you are getting a left-handed deal and you don't even know it right now. He's working on your behalf. You just can't see it. You're on the left-hand side of God. That's that's when you face contradiction. God is still working. You just can't see it. I came to set somebody free and let you know you're about to get a left-handed deal. God is working on your behalf. You see, greatness is always incubated in the furnace of adversity. Oh, we want the greater things? We want to go to greatness? I'll put it up on the the screen for you again. Greatness is always incubated in the furnace of adversity. See, what God does is he puts quality in before the name goes on. Guys, you need to realize that many of God's heroes that we read about in the Bible They were fashioned in the crucible of contradiction. But what happens is so often we judge ourselves or others by the situations that we're in. We see the situation. We see the the roadblock. We see the circumstance. We see the contradiction. And then we make a pronouncement upon that person. When I was growing up, we did this in church all the time. A certain people in our church would be going through a tough time. They're facing contradiction, and immediately, it may not be like this here, but when I grew up, this is how it was. People would say, they must not be right with God. They would look at their situation, and they would make a pronouncement to identify that person now, right? They would say, they must not pray enough, or they must have some type of sin in their life that now God is bringing a test. God now has brought the contradiction in to teach them something, If you didn't grow up with this type of thought, God bless you. But I grew up with this, okay? It led to this. It left to self-diagnosis. Now all of a sudden when I'm going, I'm the family that's going through something. I start to make pronouncements upon myself and think, man, something is wrong. God, where did you go? It must be because of unconfessed sin. It must be because I don't have something right. Something's not right. When God is the only one that can make us, us righteous, can make us in right standing, right? He's the only one that can do this. It's, it's, it's by grace that we're saved, right? But I, I had this mentality. And so when I start to go through something now, I think I'm less than. I think something's wrong with me. Because it was taught to me, and it's still even prevalent a lot in believers today, that the good always wins. Right? That the will of God is the safest place to be. Let me, in, let me let, help you out and let you in on a little secret this morning. That is not true. In the middle of the will of God is the most dangerous place to be. It's where you face the contradictions. It's where you're on the road to greatness. And for too long, guys, I'm trying to set somebody free this morning. You're here this morning, and you think something's broke with you. You think God made a mistake when he made you because you've been facing contradiction. Pastor keeps talking about going on to greater, and you keep looking at your contradiction, making a pronouncement on yourself, going, well, I can't go. This must not be for me. No. Guys, look at the heroes in the faith. Let me ask you a question. When Moses was shoveling sheep dung on the backside of a desert, did he appear to look like God's great deliverer? Would you have stepped into that situation and gone over to his father-in-law and said, hey, 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 man, listen, I'm about to make a pronouncement upon this guy. This is God's man for the plan. So We're about to get going and go set everybody free. Would you have done that? No. Why? Because we look at people's contradiction and we make a pronouncement on them and we identify them out of their contradiction. It's not how it's supposed to work in the kingdom of God. If you would have, think about Joseph, okay? So the day that Joseph gets beat naked by his brothers, thrown into a pit bloody, half dead, almost dying. Would you have walked into that situation and said, oh, the great deliverer of God. Look at his situation. Look at his contradiction. Praise God, he's a great one. They take this dude up out of the pit, sell him. He's not even a son anymore. He's identifying as a slave. He is a slave. He's a nothing. He's a nobody. Would you have walked into that situation and looked at his? Contra- See, hindsight is twenty twenty. is what I'm trying to tell you. On the other side of the contradiction, I'm going to bring my son up at the end of this, and you're going to see that hindsight is 2020, man. But in the middle of my contradiction, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see what was going to happen. And it just starts to come down, and I identify with the whole thing. Listen, when he, now Joseph is a slave, his master's wife comes to him, talking about, let's get jiggy with it. He says, I don't want your lips or your hips. I'm only concerned with God's plan for my life. I say no. She accuses him of rape. He goes to the dungeon. He's a prisoner now. He's less than a slave. Would you and I have gone in in the middle waving flags? Deliverer, this is the guy. No, no but I'm trying to get you free, to set you free, that hindsight is 2020 I'm trying to get a bubble to go off, a light bulb to go off in your mind this morning to say, oh, I'm just in a season of contradiction. And that's kind of good. That doesn't mean something's going wrong. That actually means it's a signpost to say you're going the right way. What did David look like when his brothers are fighting for the kingdom of God on the front line as soldiers, and God had him in a place of obscurity, tending the sheep, and he's literally anointed to be the king. Don't look at your contradictions and start to put a pronouncement upon yourself. You cannot tell what's in you by looking at you. You cannot tell what's in somebody by looking at their circumstance. There has to be something that flips inside of your heart this morning that says, you know what? I'm gonna stop looking at my contradiction, and now I'm going to start to focus, come on somebody, on the one who endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He ran a race, the people before him ran a race, God's called me to run a race, and now I am going to endure all of these contradictions. It's, it's, it's time for us to say, you know what, I'm further down the road than I think I am. Come on, it's time for us to say it again that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and no weapon that's formed shall be able to prosper and every tongue that rises against me, he will vindicate. It's time for some of us to understand that even in the middle of the contradiction, although God's not bringing these contradictions into our lives, life happens. Contradictions come. God did not give my son a disease. That did not Happen okay, but contradictions come. God takes the contradiction though, and He's so good at doing this at the end of it, it looks like it was kind of His idea because He's brilliant, but He didn't bring that stuff into your life. What He does is He starts to take it and He starts to use it to make a mark on your life. You're going through the crucible of contradiction, you're in the place where your character and your integrity are being birthed. It's starting to come forth. Let me be real blunt with you, you're in a place where your pride and your selfish ambition is breaking down, and you're finally growing up. You're finally maturing. You're finally being molded. You're finally getting somewhere. There are some things that we need to move forward in. There are some things that we need to grow up in. But let's be honest, There's some things we would never do without that crucible of contradiction, without a little pressure, without a little bit of molding, without a little bit of pressure. See, it needs to hit you today. Oh my goodness, I'm in a season of contradiction. Listen, I understand that the Bible says that all of his promises are yes and amen. I know that the word of God is sure and proven. It's tested and tried. I know that he is not a man that he should lie. I know that he's not a son of a man that he should repent. I know that not one jot or one tittle should ever be removed from the promises of God. And I know that if my God says it, come on somebody, he's going to do it. But listen, I also know that in between the promise and the and the manifestation of the promise, there's this place that we live in called the fight of faith where you have to stand. And when you've done all you can do to stand, come on somebody, you got to stand. you got to keep on believing. And after the emotion and the celebration of the prophetic promise and miracle coming into your life, you have to make a stand and say, whatever I see, whatever contradiction I face, I... I still believe the report of the Lord. It doesn't matter if you get that test result back from that doctor and it's faced with a contradiction. You have to wake up in the morning and say, His praise shall continually be on my lips, and I will believe the report of the Lord. See, God promises... He's a God of motion. He's constantly moving forward. We will get past this. It's it's just a roadblock. There's another side to it. Right? At the end of the story, the prophet comes back to the lady in 2 Kings chapter 4, and the promise, the miracle that died, it was dead, but then it was raised to life again. God redeemed the miracle. There's another side to this. Okay? Okay? The only problem is the timing is unknown. I mean, I've heard it said that God's always on time. But I I, I struggle many times saying, God, you have missed countless opportunity to be early. (laughs) Like, where are you at right now? I'm, I'm looking, I'm seeing. Listen, I'm facing this contradiction. I know that God will come through. I know that God will do what He said He will do. The process is what I don't know about though. The process is it's hard because it has many contradictions in it. And I know that many of you can relate to what I'm talking about too. I know I'm not the only one with a, with a test with a mess. I know I'm not the only one. And that's why I'm going to share with this message today, because I want you to know that God loves you. God hasn't forsaken you. God hasn't left you. You are going to greater things. God has a plan for greater things for you. And he loves you enough to send your pastor with a message to tell you, you're just in a season of contradictions. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to end this thing up right here. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we started, right? And it's talking about Moses by faith, Abraham by faith, David by faith. They're walking in the greater things. They got to the greater things, Jack. I mean, it's awesome. It says, by faith, they killed giants. By faith, they overcame kingdoms. And, man, it would be awesome just to, you know, get rocking music up and just start to quote that. And be like, yeah, you know, freedom. And let's just get crazy. Yes. But like I said, he shifts gears in the middle of the chapter. And then he starts to say things like this. And then there were those who were sawn in two. Then he starts to say stuff like this. There were those who were tortured. They were persecuted. There were those who were stoned. They were rejected. And you're like, yeah, what? Wait, what? Contradictions. There's things that these people went through. And then he says in verse 39, and these two died in the faith. And then he picks up in verse 40, we'll put it up for you again, but he says this, they, these people that went before us, that ran their race, believing God, had a better plan, that's what they believed, that's what they knew. It says they recognized that they could not be made perfect, they could not be perfected, they could not be brought to completion without I'm about to step on a sacred cow right now. So if you've been in church all your life, turbulence may incur. Like I said, I've been 40 years in the church. I have, as a minister of the gospel of Christ, I have ministered at several funerals. I've been to lots of funerals, as most of us have. And by... Ministers with great intentions, there always is something that's said at the graveside or at the, at the church service. And it, it's meant to bring comfort, but it is not yet a reality. And they will say this. They'll, say, they'll look to the family and they'll say, listen, I know you loved your grandmother. And you just need to take comfort because granny has gone on to her reward. I'm about to bust your bubble. After reading this scripture, we understand that no rewards have been handed out. Abraham has not gotten his reward. Paul, the Apostle Paul has not gotten his reward. Moses has not gotten his reward. The Apostle Peter has not gotten here's your word. When you read this, guys, am I saying that they're not with God? I'm not saying that. The Bible says to be absent with the body is to be present with God. When you continue to go on and read the word perfected, it's interesting. In the Greek language, it can mean many things, but in context here, it can mean completed or it can be written in a tense where it means coming to completion. It is coming to completion. There needs to be something added to, and in this scripture, it means it has not been completed, but it is looking to a group of people now to help bring this thing to completion. So what he's saying in verse 40 is he's saying they, without us, can't get to the reward. They can't get to the finish line. In other words, it's saying that Moses is dependent on you, and David's dependent upon you, and Paul's counting on me, and the finish the reward is inside the race that we are running. That's why he said, and so now we also are running a race. And listen, I came to tell you today, your race that's filled with contradictions, it's not a sprint, it's not a marathon. We are running a relay race where what happens is one generation takes the baton and passes it to the next generation. And that generation takes the baton and passed it to the next generation. And that generation took the baton and passed it to our generation. And he says, in this race, those that are with God are now such a great cloud of witnesses as far as the eye can see and even further. And they're cheering us on. And they're saying this. You have to bust through the contradictions because what you do matters. What you do in 2018 matters kevin you're a young father you have two girls you just had a son your son's in the hospital you're wanting to give up you're facing contradictions they're saying such a great cloud of witnesses bro i have been there don't give up Don't quit on God. You're just in the crucible of contradiction. So keep putting one foot in front of the other. It's okay to have a fit, but just don't quit. It's okay to cry out to God and say, I don't understand. But listen, Kevin, we can't get this thing done without your help. Listen, it's not getting worse. It's getting better. God's redeeming this thing, the whole thing. It's a snowball effect. It started out really small with just a small group of people. But they passed it, and they passed it, and they passed it, and it's getting better, and the gospel's going across the earth, and it's all coming to a culmination. It's all coming. When God redeems this whole thing, man, what you do matters. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. It's so important that you endure the season of contradiction. It's so important that you realize that those before us ran their race. And apart from us, the race is not completed. So we take our baton, we take it, and now we're going to pass it to the, the next generation. We're going to keep this thing going. It's important to understand, in this season of contradiction, it's only a temporary roadblock. To the greater things. I'm going to ask my son, Kagan, to come up here with me. Y'all give Kagan a hand as he comes up here. So almost 13 years ago, I almost quit. I really, I questioned everything. But God didn't leave my son in that hospital bed. Although in my mind, I started to doubt. I started to think, is this it? I mean, the doctors had warned us. They had told us. This guy's a walking miracle. He was diagnosed with a terminal disease called cystic fibrosis. Part of the attack of this disease is on his lungs, his respiratory system. And so they always said he'll, he'll struggle to breathe, he'll be in and out of the hospital, he'll pretty much live in the hospitals. And how long has it been since we've been in the hospital? Five years. This last week... I went to my son's first ever middle school football game. He's out there playing, man. He's out there running around. The other players, they have no idea. No idea. They think he's just like everybody else. That's how good God is. That's why I say, man, don't give up. Don't quit in the season of contradiction. I'm on the other side of it. I'm so proud of this young man. I'm excited about, they tell us now when we go to the doctors, the, the way that science has improved and let me know that God uses doctors. He gives Men and women, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. They tell my son now, the medication that he's on, the life expectancy is just normal. So I brought my son up here to say this. Greater things... We are stepping into greater things. God's calling us to greater things. On the road to greater things, you will be faced. We're going to be faced, man, with some roadblocks. And they're called contradictions. But I thank God that we don't quit. We don't identify with our contradiction. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We identify When we say, I know who I am, and I know whose I am. God's got a plan for my life, and we're moving forward. So, Father, this morning, I thank you, Lord God, that you lead us through the roadblocks of contradiction, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us faith. You've given us access, Lord God, to your unlimited supply. Father, you've given us access to your invisible strength, And I declare this morning right now to all of your sons and daughters, I declare in the name of Jesus, I call forth faith. I call forth the faith that is inside of you. I activate it. And I declare that you use your faith in the mighty name of Jesus as you plow through the roadblocks of contradiction. Father, we believe with all of our heart that we're stepping into the greater things. And we declare greater things this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen.